it like it is program. I'm Apostle Baker J. Baker, who is a doctor in psychology, and I am so excited about our program today. Please be sure and let your friends, your family, your enemies, those that don't like you, let them know about the program by the time it ends and the series ends, they will love you. So please share this, push your little buttons or whatever it is that you do, because today, Apostle Michael Fram is still with me and they keep sending, people keep sending me things saying, let my people go, let my people go. And we are enjoying each other and you just got to stop it. I mean, I know that Apostle Eddie sent me texts like that saying, let my people go. Uh, no, anyway, we're having fun. So uh, we're here to provoke you, to provoke you to think about the word of God, the kingdom of God. <laughs> He just said another one. If you're in the I, chat box, I see that. Box, I'm gonna get him though. I'm gonna get him. You're messing with my program. This is supposed to be very professional. I'm working at that. At any rate, <laughs> this is really telling us. So, uh, if you're faded, you need to turn it off because my guest and I are just doing just that to tell it like the word of God really says it. And before anything else, I want to uh, bring him on in. Come on in, Apostle Michael. This is a friend. This is someone I'm really getting to know and already love him and like him, but I'm just, I mean, we're just, we're just uh, uh, knitting and I'm so excited about that. So go ahead, tell the people where we're starting today. Well, we're going to pick up where we left off. We've been talking for the last several weeks um, about the difference between the manifestation gift of prophecy and the ministry gift of a prophet, because they are not the same thing. And uh, last week, we ended up with an object lesson, because about two-thirds of the way through the broadcast, the Holy Ghost kind of fell on me. I was in mid-sentence, and I was really just giving an example of what might happen. And lo and behold, in the middle of my example, it literally happened. And you even talked to me after. You said, Michael, you just like snapped to and you pointed at me. And all of a sudden, it was like somebody hooked up a, a hose to a fire hydrant, and it just came flying. And literally, I took my papers and went and threw them because there's no point in notes or teaching when, when that happens. So the Holy Ghost had an uh, agenda last week, and we always make room for the Holy Ghost and let him do whatever he wants to do, even if it is in the broadcast like this. He's still sovereign, and he can still do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, through whomever he wants, to whomever he wants, just because he wants to, because he's God. And who are we to say otherwise? And so uh, it was a great object lesson that um, occurred. But I want to go back. We had, we were actually in um, 1 Corinthians 14. Now I want to get into some of the original Greek words and, and look at some things. And so I want to look at the manifestation gift of prophecy. And then next week, I want to look at the ministry gift of a prophet. We were looking at, at some of the things, but 
let's actually define them and look at them in context. So if you're following along and you've got a Bible handy, you can open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we find the manifestation gift of prophecy. And I always use those terms. You know, there's three gift categories in the New Testament. One is found in Romans 12. One is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And one is found in Ephesians chapter 4. And for separation and study's sake, I call or refer to the Romans chapter 12 gifts as motivational gifts. Some people call them the redemptive gifts, but for alliteration purposes, I call them the motivational gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I refer to as the manifestation gifts. And then the Ephesians 4 gifts, I refer to as the ministry gifts. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, of course, if you look at it in most Bibles, it's going to say the use of spiritual gifts or about spiritual gifts or something like that in a little heading above where verse 1 would be. What's really interesting is most of the time I read out of the New American Standard. I like the New American Standard better than I do the King James in most cases because it's more accurate to the original languages. But whether you're looking at King James and people say, well, you know, that's the authorized version. And of course, I always say, yeah, authorized by who? Because it was authorized by King Jimmy. And if you didn't do it the way King Jimmy wanted, it would be like off with your head and he would literally do it. So you better translate it the way that he wanted. But whether you're looking at King James or you're looking at New American Standard or New King James, any of those, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. And King James actually says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So ignorant or unaware, choose your poison. But what's interesting, especially in the New American Standard, the word gifts is in italics. And the reason that they do that is that word gifts is not in the original Greek. So in the original Greek, what 1 Corinthians 12, 1 says is now concerning spirituals or concerning things of the spirit, I do not want you to be ignorant, or I do not want you to be unaware. So don't be ignorant, or don't be unaware of the things of the spirit. So in that sense, they're really not gifts in the way that we think of them, where the Ephesians 4 gifts are, and the Romans 12 gifts are, and really because the word gift is not in the original Greek, we can't even look up a Greek word for gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because that word gift is not in verse 1 of the context. So the place that we have to go to find out the Greek word that's describing what we commonly call 
the gifts of the Spirit, or what we commonly call the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to find out the Greek word, we really have to come to verse 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And verse 7 says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. King James Version says, the manifestation of the Spirit to profit with all. In other words, when these manifestations of the Spirit are in manifestation, everybody benefits when they are in manifestation. What's very interesting is the Greek word that is used here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. He says, to each one, or other translations say, to every man is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That word manifestation is the key word. And in the Greek, that is the word phanerosis. P-H-A-N-E-R-O-S-I-S. And that word literally means an exhibition, a demonstration, or a manifestation. So in that sense, it's really not even a gift. It is an expression of how the Holy Spirit is choosing to manifest himself through a particular believer at a particular time for a particular purpose. Now, according to the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when you get to verse 11, it says, but one and the same spirit works all these things. All what things? All of these different manifestations of the spirit. It is the same spirit that gives them is the same spirit that works them. And it says that he distributes them to each one individually just as he wills. Notice it does not say that he distributes them as we will. He distributes them as he wills. And so he purposes when these gifts or manifestations of the Spirit are actually manifested. We do not turn them on and off like a light switch. I know that people think that you can. We've got people today that go up to folks and prophesy to me as, as if we are a slot machine and they're throwing their quarter in and pulling the arm and out comes the prophetic word. Yeah, well, a lot of folks have gotten three lemons from that. And that ain't good when you get three lemons that come out. But we think, you know, you can just prophesy on demand. Well, these things operate as the Spirit wills, which is one of the reasons that I say that many times we do not have prophesying, we have prophelying. Because people are speaking out of their own will, out of their own purpose, they're speaking out of their own soul, as opposed to speaking by the unction and the inspiration of the Spirit of God. Now, one of the nine manifestations of the Spirit that we see 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, one manifestation is called prophecy, which is why I say it's a manifestation gift because it's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit where when you get to the Ephesians 4 gifts, they're given by the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church. It's interesting that when you look, you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that there are varieties of gifts, but it is the same spirit. There's varieties of ministries and the same Lord, and there's varieties of effects, but it's the same God. And so the varieties of the gifts or the varieties of the manifestations, manifestations, they come by the Holy Spirit. The varieties of ministries are the Ephesians 4 gifts, and they come by the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church. And then in verse 6, where there's varieties of effects, these are your motivational gifts, or the Romans 12 gifts, and all these work, these same things, and those are given by God, meaning the Father. And so you have three different classifications of gifts with three different Greek words given by three different members of the Godhead and given for three different purposes. And so you, you can't just, you know, I've heard people say, well, gifts are gifts are gifts. That's like saying sports are sports are sports. I've never yet seen anybody kick a home run through the goalposts. I've seen them kick a field goal. I've seen them kick a point after a PAT, point after touchdown. I've seen that, but I've never seen anybody hit a home run in a football game. Neither have I seen anybody kick a field goal in a baseball game because there are different rules that govern the different sports. Well, it's the same with the gifts in the New Testament. Gifts are gifts are gifts, just does not watch. It, it doesn't wash. And so if you have three different types of gifts and three different members of the Godhead that give them and three different Greek words that refer to them, then obviously gifts are gifts are gifts cannot be true. And so prophecy is one of those gifts listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it is a manifestation of the Spirit. Now, you remember, as we've been going through this, we started with a definition that Graham Cook had given. And in Graham Cook's definition about going through the stages of development, and he called it from the shallow end, of basic prophecy all the way up to the ministry gift of a prophet, it takes time, it takes seasoning, it takes mentoring, it takes training. And depending on the time, the seasoning, the mentoring, the training, the teaching that one has received will determine how long it takes to go from the shallow end of basic prophecy all the way to the ministry gift, the function or office of a prophet. Now, we said in Graham Cook's definition that normally to become a mature prophet, not an immature, but a mature prophet takes on average 15 to 20 years 
depending on all of those other variables and components. And so if we look at the way that Kenneth Hagen referred to it, Kenneth Hagen always referred, where Graham Cook says the, the shallow end of basic prophecy, Kenneth Hagen always called it the simple gift of prophecy. And we find that defined for us in the word of God. And it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 3. And 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 3 says, But the one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. That's New American Standard. King James says, speaks unto men for edification, exhortation, and comfort. That is the shallow end of basic prophecy. That is the simple gift of prophecy based on Graham Cook and Kenneth Hagin definitions. This is the place in the prophetic where everybody starts. When you get to the office of the prophet, you're doing calculus. But the shallow end, the simple gift of prophecy, edification, exhortation, and comfort, now you're doing two plus two equals four. There's a lot of places in between two plus two equals four in calculus. Now, last week, as we were teaching and going through, we had an object lesson where in the middle of the teaching came a prophetic word to Dr. Baker. Now, in that prophetic word that came to Dr. Baker, it wasn't just edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now, yes, she did receive edification by that word. But that's not all that was released through that word. Because what happened in that word is some of the revelation gifts of the spirit got released through the vehicle of the gift of prophecy. And we were saying as we were going through 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that two or three prophets speak. And then in the next verse, it says, if something is revealed to another, well, to another who? To another prophet that is seated or is there, let the first, the first prophet hold their peace and then let the other speak by revelation. And then he goes on and he says in, in that same text in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that you can all prophesy. That you can all prophesy is 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 3. That one who prophesies speaks unto men for edification, exhortation, and consolation, or edification, exhortation, and comfort. The difference between the simple gift or the shallow end of prophecy versus when a prophet speaks is prophets speak by both inspiration and by revelation, where the simple gift or the shallow gift is just speaking by 
inspiration. Let me give you a very basic definition of the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is when a believer is inspired by the Spirit of God to give a message to a person or a group of people in a known language. It is always a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Everything about every single one of the manifestation gifts of the Spirit is always supernatural in nature. There is nothing natural about any of the manifestations of the Spirit. You know, people say, well, I have the gift of knowledge. No, you don't. The gift is called the word of knowledge, which is a supernatural revelation of the Spirit of God of a fact or facts in the mind of God in his vast omniscience that he is releasing or revealing at a particular time through a particular individual for a particular purpose. And again, it's supernatural. There is nothing that is known to the person that receives it in the natural realm. And what's one of the reasons that a lot of times if I go into meetings, I'll greet people, I'll hug people, I'll get to know people, but I don't want to know their life story. Because when you know things in the natural, it can taint the gift and can mess things up. And you're better off not knowing because then it's totally supernatural that they know that the prophet or the person ministering did not know. It's the same with the gifts of healings. When the gifts of healings are in manifestation, it's a supernatural means of healing without the aid or benefit of medical science whatsoever. And when the gifts of healings are in manifestation, it's always an instant manifestation where you can lay hands on the sick, according to Mark 16, and they shall recover. And recover is a process, but with the gifts of healings, it's always an instant manifestation. And so with every manifestation of the spirit, we must stress that it is supernatural in nature by the Spirit of God. It is not anything known, derived, conjured up out of somebody's own person, out of their intellect, out of their will, out of their knowledge. It's always supernatural and absolutely 100% dependent on the Holy Ghost. And so we have to stress that. But the thing about prophecy is this. The simple gift of prophecy was never meant to give you direction for your life. The simple gift of prophecy was meant to edify you, which means to build you up, to bring exhortation or encouragement to you, or to console or comfort you. The book of Revelation tells us that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so any born-again believer that's filled with the spirit of God has the ability to speak inspired by the spirit and give a word that would edify, that would exhort, would encourage, 
would comfort or console somebody. Again, it's not of ourselves, it's of the spirit, but it's got to be inspired. Nothing worse than somebody speaking. And, and what we've done is we've, we've learned that there are buzzwords. You know, we speak our own language. I call it Christianese. We speak our own language. And we've learned that we can say, so says the Lord, or thus says the Lord, or my little children, and all these little verbiages that we use, and then we case what we want to say within the correct verbiage as if the verbiage was a sign of authenticity, as if the verbiage was a sign of the inspiration of the Spirit. <laughs> say that, say that again. With, say that again. Say that again. Say that again. I don't know what I said, but it's, you know, as we think that if we put the magic phrase on it, that it's a sign of authenticity, that it lends credibility. If we say, so says the Lord, or thus, and I got news for you, God doesn't speak. 1600 Elizabethan English. He really doesn't. He doesn't talk in King James English. When God talks to me, very, never, never. Like, hey, son. Hey, Bubba. That's how God talks to me. He uses my speech patterns when he talks to me. And the truth of the matter is, when somebody is inspired to speak for God, God will use their personality. He will use their speech patterns. He will use their vernacular. He will use the way that they speak in everyday English. And the worst thing that you can do is try to copy somebody else and do it like they do it. Because God created you an individual and he doesn't want you to die a copy. And that would be make about as much sense, say, as somebody that's from Mississippi giving a prophetic word and talking with speech patterns and accents like they're from Boston. That just wouldn't make sense because that's not how they speak. And so God will always use who you are. He'll use your upbringing. He'll use your verbiage. He'll use all of those things because he wants to use you. God created diversity and loves nothing more than for diversity to come together in unity and allow us to embrace our diversity and embrace every gifting. But if you're not inspired, do not prophesy out of your soul. Do not prophesy out of what you think. If there's no inspiration of the spirit, as my Italian-American friends would say, ah, shut up of you face. And we've got about 35 seconds to go, Doc, and I'll let you wrap up. Okay, this was, this was wonderful. One of the things of it is, yeah, it is. If you don't have it from there, you do need to shut up. We, um, we're going to be back next week when he's going to go into the other part of this or finish up with this and go into the other part. Remember to share this with your friends because this is something that is really important. If you don't learn 
uh, what it is that's going on, you're going to be tricked by a lot of different people. And so this is the reason that we're doing this is to educate you, is to provoke you to think further than you have. Again, this is Apostle Baker, Jay Baker, who is a doctor in psychology and Apostle Michael Fram saying thank you for joining us today on the Really Telling It Like It Is program. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. You're supposed to 